Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Life After Tech Bootcamp. Special thanks to Timothy from last week for sharing his insights on job hunting and discussing his own journey. I believe that whether you are a tech bootcamp alum, currently enrolled in a tech bootcamp, or exploring various career paths, there is something truly special about hearing someone's story. You can relate to it, learn from it, or both. It never hurts to spend time learning about somebody. I also wanted to highlight that if you have any questions relevant to this podcast, please email me at alumnipodcast at springboard.com. I know it can be intimidating to reach out to someone via LinkedIn, and multiple people may also have the same question as you do. So I'm happy to be a middle person. I'll be doing a special episode later in the season where I and some of the previous guests answer your questions. Today's guest is someone I'm very excited for you to meet. He offers a great perspective on being patient while navigating a career path to land the job you want. So with that, I'd like to introduce Mihao. Mihao is a senior data scientist at Microsoft, but not before working at other companies such as NBC Universal, Facebook, and Deloitte. He completed the Springboard Data Science program in 2018 and now works on projects such as content analytics and experimentation on Microsoft Edge Newsfeed. Mihao, welcome. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I am, again, so excited to have you here. We had an amazing pre-interview, and let's just get started. Um, before you got involved with Springboard, where were you? What were you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah, a couple of interesting things, uh, I would say. So, um, well, my career journey started after, uh, well, as it starts most for most people after graduation. Um, I graduated uh, from university uh, with with degree in applied physics, and I worked as a physicist, radiation physicist. Uh, for CERN, which is considered the largest uh, physics laboratory in the world. That was a you know, great pleasure and honor to be there. However, three years passed, my, um, my, my period there, which was a scholarship, uh, came to an end and I needed to decide where to move next. I decided not to stay in academia. I felt like uh, pursuing a PhD wasn't for me and decided to do what many, I think, uh, people who decide to quit academia to do. Uh, I decided to move to consulting. Um, I moved to Accenture and this is where I think like, started like slowly thinking about what I actually wanted to do in life after, after this whole long period of radiation physics. So um, consulting is a very interesting field, I would say, because uh, it brings people from different different walks of life, if I can put it that way. Different different skill sets are welcomed, and I think like as long as you can prove that you 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 have problem solving. Uh, um, how would I say it? 
problem-solving attitude. You you know how to talk to people. I think you're the right material to become a consultant. I know it's maybe like a little bit of an exaggeration here, but nevertheless, there's always a project that I believe you can fit to. So um, while being a consultant, I tried different projects. Um, doing trainings for for big companies and like slowly little by little I started like gaining more interest into data analytics at that time I knew very little about data uh, way less than I know today obviously at some point I started to realize like hey like this those data projects are like very interesting what is it and then I got introduced into Power BI and that was like kind of like, you know, where I felt like maybe I don't want to be in academia, but I definitely would like to continue using my analytical brain or like the analytical side of me, maybe in a different context, not being in a lab, but definitely um, crunching numbers and analyzing data. I just realized that that was the best part. That was the part that I liked the most about my previous experience. Um, I knew little about coding at the time. Oh, I would say like I knew zero about coding. Uh, and as much as I like those those analytics tools like Tableau or Power BI, I felt like you know there's more out there. And this is the time when I first learned about this new profession called data science or data scientist. Um, and there was this article from Harvard talking about the new sexiest profession. So after reading about it and like, you know, still like trying to understand what it actually means to be a data scientist, is that uh, just like a new way of calling a statistician? Uh, is this something that I can do? What are like the gaps in my in my skill set that I need to cover to to be able to to transition to this field? And like after doing some research, I realized, okay, this is the time to switch. This is the time that I finally know what I want to do next in life, but I don't know exactly how to do it. And this is when Springboard uh, came into my life. I decided not to go back to regular brick and mortar school. I felt like at this point I already had my my higher education degrees. I wanted to do something that is um, would say a little bit shorter, and at the same time I could continue continue working. So I think that would be in the nutshell how I got from where I was before uh, in life to to springboard. That's an incredible story. It sounds like you sort of fell down a rabbit hole a little bit. You were discovering how to crunch numbers and perhaps it's correct to say that you wouldn't have discovered this profession without having gone into consulting and gotten some of the projects you did. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think... <laughs> When you go to college or university, you think this is my profession for life. At least here in America, often people go to college later in life. But I think in Europe, often it is considered that you choose your career path very early on and you stick to it. So I, I think there's more of, um, how to say it, expectation or like maybe there's more shame of 
changing the career later in life, being a little bit of a late bloomer in, 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 in that regard. Um, so I definitely had like some personal, you know, I had to like work it out on a personal level to realize like, okay, I was in this great facility uh, working with all those smart people. And now I'm like somewhere very different and I'm doing projects that are like very different from what I was doing. However, that was a conscious decision. I, that was my decision. No one pushed me to, 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 to quit academia. It was just like a good transition period where I could, where, when I could figure out what exactly I wanted to do. And I think like, as much as, you know, consulting can be intimidating, being, um, being able to work, being to being exposed to many different projects, many different companies, the, the clients you work with, is the best way you can you can do to actually realize what you like and even more important, what you don't like. Because I think like we often focus on what we like and we forget about things that we don't like, and then suddenly they pop out later in life and we realize, oh, I didn't didn't realize that I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do that, but I didn't want to have this part. So I think like for me, that was very important that like I didn't want to do the lab work that I was doing as a as a scientist, but I definitely liked the analytical part. And this this was this kind of breakthrough I had in my in my life, like epiphany of some sort. That's an incredible self-realization. I mean, two of them being able to kind of stand up to your cultural norms of sticking to what you picked out and then two, really discovering what you're good at. I think a lot of people, I know myself personally, really took a few years figuring that out. So would you be able to elaborate on any specific things you did to perhaps break through cultural norms and be okay with that? And also how you were able to discover your likes and dislikes or did it just, or did everything just kind of come naturally? No, no, it's definitely, it was um, hard work. Uh, there were like times when I was uh, sent to a project that was very much <laughs> something opposite uh, uh, from what I what I expected to do and difficult clients. And this is like the moment when you also realize like, okay, try to think what else I could be doing right now or like what else I would like to be doing in the future so I can avoid this situation. Another thing, like, as I said, shame and guilt is a big part of our culture. And uh, I read like some stories uh, just by, by accident, randomly reading newspaper every day um, about some people who changed their careers later in life. And let's say someone became a famous psychologist someone wrote their first book at the age of 50 and and so on and so on so me being there in my like late 20s early 30s around that time i still have plenty of time i don't have to feel like bad about it that that i i decided to do something else and i still didn't figure it out properly um 
I think like this is this is very important. I think like this this would be one of the top messages I have to everyone who is listening to to understand like you know don't think about what other people think about you. This is this is like very important. If you need more time to figure it out, if it doesn't come in a day, it's fine. It's fine. Just try different things. Uh, read about different things, different professions, different skill sets, and at some point, will, you know, the, the 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 there will be this 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 voice in your head, like, yeah, this is this is something that I want to invest my time and money. If you want to spend money on something, that means that you care about it. This is like another way to realize I had some savings and I could either go to Bali and do some scuba diving, which I love. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> or I could uh, I could invest in springboard course. So that was like two options I had. I had savings enough either for the you know amazing trip that I would love or invest in my career and do it later in life. So that's when I realized that actually I care about data science and I care about becoming a data scientist. That is a really interesting light note that you decided to invest in yourself and your education further and not go on this trip. But I hope, you know, we'll get to where you are now, but I hope you have gone on that trip since at least a couple of times over. So moving forward, you've decided that, you know, you want to spend your money on Springboard instead of going to Aruba. I would love to know, what was your experience like in the course? Were there any things that stuck out that really helped you succeed? So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I think, like, you know, one of the problems that I, I encountered early on in the course where again like the personal <laughs> the personal level <laughs> I think generally the curriculum was great I really liked it the way it was structured I I, I got a very good mentor and and uh, you know generally everything was great but there was also like the LM element of me uh, that is perfectionist that I wanted like very much to do everything, learn everything. And I felt like if I read every single article or like if I do every single task that was in the course, that will help me to succeed. And of course, I would say probably 80% of that is true, but there's like this 20% that I realized that first of all, like I cannot rush things. There's some, you have to take time to absorb knowledge. You have to take time to um, basically, um, yeah, it, like it has to marinate in your head. I don't know, I don't, I cannot find a better word for that. It's like when you cook, I like cooking. <laughs> so I know like sometimes when I make soup, it tastes better the next day. And I think this is a good metaphor for learning as well. It's like, it, 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 it sometimes when you, sleep on it and then you wake up the next day you might have better ideas so i remember like at some point in the course there was this uh option to pause it for some time which i loved a lot and i realized okay i need to take a break like a few weeks break before i resume and also let me again ask myself why am i doing it because like I'm not trying to become an expert on Python. I want to learn Python to the level that I can use it in my day-to-day -day job. 
So these are like few realizations just to like, you know, you definitely need to stick to your goal, but like you also have to make sure that you, you, you try not to overdo it. It's like, you know, pulling a muscle. If, 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 if you want to become good at sports, you need to like make sure that like the, the way you train is good for your body as well. So I think that, 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 was, that was very important for me to realize like, you know, no rush. I will get the job sometime in the future. It will not be tomorrow. It might not even be the same year. It might be a year later, but like, you know, like pace yourself. Yeah, I love that metaphor. Sometimes that soup tastes better the next day. And definitely something I can relate to. I love being perfect. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I am not perfect. Nobody is, but it is a constant struggle of letting yourself make mistakes backtrack and maybe hone in on what you really are good at and letting like you said with python you didn't need to be an expert in python you needed it to perform in the types of roles and functions that were necessary so i think that is a really valuable lesson so perfectionism it never it never really suits you that's that's something that you know you one needs to realize when it occurs uh, that like, what am I doing here? <laughs> am I I'm like learning a new skill or am I trying to, I don't know, like, like prove to the world that I can be the best at it. So yeah, these are two different goals. Yes. So speaking of learning, was there anything outside of the course that you did to prepare yourself for your career now? So, I mean, outside the course, I, I would say, like, definitely one of the most important things, because, like, I think, like, there was plenty of, of, of material to study within the, the curriculum. I obviously, like, you know, like, reading about things outside curriculum, that was great. But as, as I mentioned earlier, I was already pretty saturated. Uh, I think the very important thing is to start early on on job search or like for me it was something that i didn't feel very comfortable with this is like the skill this is another muscle that you need to train a lot being okay with asking for uh, you know short interview or like short conversation cold emailing and so on so for me that was something that came with time initially there was a lot of discomfort i don't know i was like thinking like oh they might not like me and things like that uh those little demons that are like sitting on your shoulder uh we were encouraged to do it early on and uh well maybe that was this like element of perfectionism that was good <laughs> i tried to follow to the t and i think that helped me a lot to get some referrals early on and that's another thing like you know we're all in the same boat so reaching out to other professionals is not a sign of weakness just like do it smartly like in a smart way they will they will tell you how to do it as long as you know how to like you have you did a little bit of research like people generally will not eat you alive for sending them a message or email asking for a short short conversation of course and that's really funny about the name i do feel for those people they're probably just working so hard 
However, at the same time, yes, I agree. You do need to put some care. And when a random stranger reaches out to you, it's very easy to ignore them. But if they bring some sort of good reason to talk to me how or vice versa, you know, that goes a long way. I definitely, I don't, I doubt I get as many emails as you do. But when I do, if somebody's gone to my school or find something within my history that is relevant, I'm more likely to reach out. But I'm curious, when you were reaching out, was there any particular question that you like to ask? I would start that I tried to be relatively honest about my intentions. Maybe that was something that made me feel a little bit more comfortable about it. It's maybe like, you know, being more scientific about it. Science is about facts. So <laughs> again, I wanted to be very factual here. I usually would say like, you know, like I I try to be very specific that like I'm interested in the company, I'm interested in the, in the culture and whatever like tips I can get from the person. And I think maybe it sounds a little bit vague, but at the same time, I think like, you know, obviously, again, we, we don't have to pretend that we're trying to become someone's best friend. So I think like, you know, and the other way around when I receive emails these days, I also prefer like, you know, if I see like someone is like very honest, like, hey, I'm like, I just like would like to connect. I'm looking for a job and, 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 you know, yada, yada. So I think like, there's no magic formula. I would say either someone has time and is willing to respond or they have no time or they don't read the messages. I wouldn't read too much into it. Again, this is this was my problem. So I'm like mentioning that not because I just because, like you know I'm I'm just saying that like this this happened to me. So if if you're like listening to to this and you find that that resonates with you, please don't judge yourself if you don't get any answers that maybe you said something, unless you there was something very cringe. I think, you know, there is nothing to it. Just people are either busy or they have time. I don't think people will judge you too much on the way you ask questions. They might judge you, yeah, as I said, like if you if you didn't scrape off the, the name of the previous person you wrote to that's that, that that's a different story but other than that don't think twice just send it absolutely you have nothing to lose except for maybe just somebody not getting back to you but it is a very flattering thing like I don't think anybody will ever receive an email saying they want to get to know you connect and think wow I'm so offended by this so I completely agree so you were saying that the people you reached out to, it helped you get referrals later for the job hunt. So let's talk about you hunting for a job. And when we did our pre-interview, you gave a great analogy that I use, and I'd love for you to bring it up now. <laughs> oh, the dating analogy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I learned that from my friend who also worked as a physicist at CERN who moved to consulting first. So like, you know, I follow her steps religiously. <laughs> we also were born very close to each other. So it's almost like, you know, like half sister. She's also has, uh, almost has a, a, like a half sister to me. So yeah, um, <clears throat> she said to me, Ni hao, remember, like, you know, speaking to an employer or like, you know, interviewer is a little bit like dating. 
we we go there, we go prepared, but like, you know, they judge us, we judge them, we try to show our best self, but sometimes there's no chemistry and we move on and we try to, you know, we go on another date. So I think I loved it so much. First of all, there's like one important thing thing here that we sometimes forget about it. Interview is a two-way street. So, you know, as much as it's important to to go um, to be prepared and 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 obviously do a little bit of research, also we have to understand that like when we speak to an interviewer, we also can have our thoughts about the process, the company, the culture. And if we don't think this is the right fit, it's better to move on. I agree. Yeah, I remember one interview I had, the founder, the person wanted me to be the only designer, which that wasn't the right fit for me. So there was that, but then also she spent the whole interview talking about herself and not really about the product. And it was a little strange. And I hope that, you know, she still has had success, but it, yes, I completely agree that you should really be sussing out if this job is right for you as well. Yeah. I, I had this example when, you know, um, I, so like I interviewed with Uber and Uber asked me Uber questions. And then I interviewed with another company, big tech company, and they also asked me Uber questions. And I was like, kind of, you know, at least with Uber, <clears throat> I kind of got sense what kind of problems I might work with. Uh, at least like, you know, that was a little bit closer to day-to-day -day job. But yeah, with the other company that like, it was kind of like, you know, why are you asking me Uber questions? Like, could you, couldn't you just give me like some example from your own day-to-day -day job? That was a bit of a red flag for me. I think this is very important because sometimes you think this is your dream job or dream company, and you might be a little bit blind when during the interview process, you just want to land the job. And I understand, especially early on in the career, that might be the only goal. But later on, I think it's important to pay attention to those little red flags. I agree, because you at least need to spend a year at this company, hopefully longer if it's a good fit. I would love to understand a bit more about why that's a red flag, because I think you gave a really good explanation on that. And I think some people who are a little bit more newer in their careers, they're not quite as familiar with the types of red flags they should look for in the interview process. So I'd love to hear your breakdown on why them asking Uber questions at a non-Uber company is a red flag. Yeah, so I think like, you know, first of all, <clears throat> I would say they should test if you're a right fit for the job. And I think like, you know, for me, if you just Google, let's say data science questions and you find those Uber examples, which again are great examples. And I practiced Uber questions even when I was like, when I was practicing my analytical skills and problem solving. But 
at the same time, first of all, I feel like someone didn't do their homework and prepare the right questions, like right data sets. Second of all, how can you have a conversation around that data? Like, so let's say you solve that, those problems perfectly. After that, like, you know, there should be some sort of like follow-up. So like, you know, the follow-up could be, is this something that you work in your day-to-day? Well, obviously, if it's an Uber question, this company has nothing to do with ride shares. So these are like things that I, I think are very important to understand the culture, how they operate. And it starts with the interview. It starts how they treat the candidate. It starts with the, 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 the recruitment process. I think it's, it's a little bit of like a sloppy approach not to, not to have questionnaire that reflects on what what the company is about definitely there are more red flags <laughs> but that but will be related to this specific example certainly no but i think that's a really interesting example that some people might not pick up on and i think it's always good to just share what to look out for everybody just comes from a different background and a different set of knowledge so with this being said, so you had this one awkward interview, but you ended up at some pretty cool companies. But I would love to understand what your job hunt was like after, well, you said you started job hunting during the course, but what was that official job hunt like with Springboard? So definitely, uh, as I said, uh, they ask you to start sending those um, resumes early on in the course and you might feel like, oh, I'm not ready. It's like, you know, too early. And I think it's never too early. Maybe one thing to keep in mind, if there are like some companies that you especially love, don't choose them as your first target. Like, you know, target them later in the interview process because interviewing is, you know, is kind of a muscle that you need to train and you will bomb your first interviews for sure. Uh, There's this fear factor or anxiety factor that like later with like doing, let's say three, four interviews, you will feel more comfortable, but you don't want to be that person when you interview with your dream, dream company. So that is, that is one thing like, you know, try to send resumes early on second of all like quantity versus quality i'm on the fence here a little bit because obviously we try to send as many as possible but like also try not to send mindlessly yes definitely have a template yes have like you know try to save this template and try to reuse it so sometimes there are like certain certain companies that you know you can use the same resume for them because they kind of meet the same profile but at the same time, like do some statistics, especially if you follow uh, a springboard track that is related to analytics or data science. Just open a spread the spreadsheet um, in Excel and put every job position and track it. You know, when did you send the resume? Was there any response? Was it negative or positive? And if you start seeing that, oh, I'm not getting anything, then go back to your career coach and discuss if there's like anything wrong with your resume change things, see if that works and so on and so on. So I think that was my strategy to try to like yeah, use those different templates. Definitely send as many as I can, but not 
to do it mindlessly, trying to like op optimize it. And again, we live like I started doing it in 2018. Nowadays, we have ChatGPT, so there are like a lot of things that you can do with one click. Like, please rewrite this resume following, you know, that 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 job description that that you know you can just paste it. Uh, I had to do it, everything manually back then. So <clears throat> uh, you can you can optimize the process. Again, don't don't forget to think about the job that you're applying to, and keep a record of every single thing. Copy paste the description somewhere safe because sometimes that was another thing. Sometimes they might delete the the, the job posting from a website. And then they call you for the interview and you don't even remember what was the job about. And that's a big no-no. So be prepared with that. Yeah, I think that completely makes sense. I loved your advice on the analysis. Keep track of all the jobs you're applying for and see what's working and what's not. Was there anything that you found that wasn't working that you had to adjust? That was actually harder to tell what wasn't working. Um... I definitely like you know I think one one of the problems that uh, I spotted in 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 my resume and I often see it in other people's resumes when they ask me to like for some advice it's like don't don't make it too long people are not interested in your entire life there are many templates there are like so many different templates and if you are applying in a different country than the United States the rules might be different but Overall, like I think like no one needs to know about your hobbies. I think this is not like a necessary thing. There's an interview for that to figure it out. That you speak 10 languages, great, good for you. Uh, but like, I'm just saying like to optimize the space uh, for those who are like in their early days, career days, sometimes it's the, the other problem. You might have nothing to put in your resume. Then again, you can work with your career coach, what can be a very interesting experience. But then like once you start progressing in life, <clears throat> people have this problem uh, with parting with things that are no longer needed. It's like, you know, we like hoarding things. We also like hoarding experiences. So, you know, like I was a vice president of some school uh, club, alliance, whatever. That's great. But like, you know, now you're like your late 20s, early 30s, 40s, whatever. Like that doesn't matter anymore. Like, like something that recruiters can scam through very quickly is very important. And another thing I would say, remember the first person that is reading your resume is usually a recruiter. So you should like optimize it for a recruiter. Use the keywords. That's like, that's like, that's a, that was a big game changer for me. Now I just recall that. Try to use the language that you see in the job offer. So, you, you know, like it's not necessary. It's not a creative writing contest. If, if you see those skills are matching, but like they're like, they're the naming convention is a little bit different. Use the naming convention from 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 the job post. So great points. Yes, I recall a resume that I saw. Um, you know, me coming from fashion, going to UX, working in fashion, somewhat relevant. But this woman had ten years of experience, and for some of her jobs. She just put the job in the title. She didn't even put bullet points because she optimized her space with her UX internships. So I thought that was a really creative way to show that 
you didn't have gaps in your resume, but to your point, nobody needs to know that you can sew a men's jacket if you need to design a user interface. So I, I absolutely agree. It is very hard losing, well, not losing, but cutting out skills that aren't relevant. Yeah, I, I think like some of it comes from an idea that we watch a lot of movies and there's some like stories that like someone saw something in the resume and they liked it. And because of that, uh, they got the job. Unfortunately, I love great stories and I know they happen, but here we're working with statistics and probability. So increase your chances to be seen for your skills. Definitely. Well, clearly all of those things worked because you did get a job. So would you love, would you like to share what your first job was out of Springboard? Yes. So after Springboard, I, I could say that I didn't move that far from where I started just before Springboard because I moved from Accenture to Deloitte, which is Accenture's competitor. And I wasn't super happy about it because I kind of wanted to leave consulting at this point. But the difference was at this time I was hired to work on data science projects. So I was a data science consultant. And nowadays when I look back, I realized that was such a big changer because I actually it opened my my career. It it helped me to land my next job with the experience I got back then working on those different projects and working with a with a group or like being part of a group that had some upskilling related to data science, people who were only deployed on data science projects and so on and so on. So overall I think like I made also a lot of good friends who later on moved to to different tech companies working as data engineers and data scientists. So I also expanded my my network naturally, um, not only by you know knowing those people but becoming friends with them. So those are very very strong connections. Sometimes the first job we land we might be very impatient. We might think this is, this is wrong. This is like, you know, this is where I don't want to be. Why, why, why? Sometimes you have to st start somewhere. And I like to say like beggars are not choosers. If there's like, you know, if you add, you know, at this point of your career that you still need to prove to the world that you have certain skills and that you're hireable, then Again, if there are no 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 red flags, just 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 go with the job that is offered to you, and later on you will land the the job at the company that you always dreamed of. Hopefully, absolutely. And while yes, it is frustrating to kind of go back to something in your case consulting that you didn't want to get into, it doesn't seem like it was a complete step backwards you still had a little bit of movement forward yeah yeah no I as I said like you know I think it was good for me I think it is a great company uh depends obviously like it's a big company so as with every big company I was very lucky to work with people that uh were fun to work with I learned a lot of uh new skills from them uh, that was also my friend who 
told me about the dating <laughs> analogy. Uh, she still works there, so definitely, you know, it's not it's not like something that was necessarily step backwards. Uh, it was more like maybe mentally, I wanted to work in a different capacity. Being a consultant requires certain availability that probably changed after COVID, but before COVID, I was like, I was nonstop flying somewhere. Um, so that was something that I didn't want to do anymore. I completely understand that. I think it's exciting in the beginning. You get all those hotel points, but after a while, I, I, I don't know how you felt exactly, but I, I like just to be home now. But moving forward, you have gone on to do other things. So after Deloitte, I'd love to have you tell the story about your next job. So my next job, uh, I was um, immediately after Deloitte, uh, I moved to NBC News. And that was like interesting because I really didn't want to apply to NBC News. <laughs> Not because I have something against NBC News. It's a great company, but I... I was a little bit frustrated. I was already COVID times and I was like kind of like frustrated because I actually had like the response rate before Deloitte for me was much higher than like during Deloitte. So it was like kind of maybe it was because of COVID. I don't know. But something happened to me that like I couldn't land any interview and, and, and I was like, oh, like I don't want to do anymore. And, you know, my, my, my partner, Zach, was uh, encouraging me to, like, keep going. And then I told him about uh, NBC News. That, and he's a big fan of, or like, back then of the show, of Rachel Maddow's show. And he was like, you know, no, please, please, I want you to work for NBC News. <laughs> I just want to get to Rachel Maddow. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, at some point, I was like, okay, I'm going to apply it. But I want you to write my cover letter because I don't have energy to do it. And I will prove to you that, you know, they will never call me back. <laughs> so I did hit send. Like, you know, I took a screenshot of that. You know, I did it and so on. And there was like... I think a month or two passed and I was like, you see, you see, that was, that was a waste of my time, waste of my like, you know, half an hour of like going through the application process. But, you know, a few days after that, they did call me back and a few interviews later, I landed the job. I, I became the first data scientist in NBC News Digital. Sometimes we don't know what is written in our destiny. And uh, I'm very happy that I landed this job. I work with a great team. Being the first data scientist came with a lot of stress and, and pressure on my shoulders. But at the same time, I finally moved out of consulting. And that was a big success. So again, it did happen. It happened later in time but it did happen. So patience, again, patience is important. Uh, yes. I would love to hear from your perspective, the differences between working as a consultant versus working in-house. I would say the difference, the main difference is that if you don't like your team or your project, <laughs> that you cannot easily change it. So like working in a house, that's why I was talking about red flags, because I feel like red flags in consulting might mean 
very little because it all depends on the client that you work with. In Haas, the difference is that you kind of work on the same project project over and over. Like obviously, like we're talking like generally speaking, there are different projects that you work on, but it's the same team, the same kind of product or service. Uh, there might be way less movement than in comparison to, to consulting jobs that, you know, there might be three projects that last few months and then you change completely the client, the project, everything. But these are, I think that was for me the only uh, drawback of working in-house that maybe sometimes miss. The benefits are like you get to know the product better that you work with you work with the team of people that become close to you you can trust each other and you don't we will not part in like a few months and you will never see each other again so that is definitely a big thing you can grow in your role and you can definitely um come with ideas that you know if if there are good ideas, you will definitely see the fruits of them and you will be the one that might actually benefit from it because you are like kind of like forming your own environment. So all those changes will like one day benefit you as well. Versus like, you know, being on a project, you, can, you had some good idea, they might keep you for a little bit longer, but at some point you will move to 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 the next gig yeah it sounds like it's for you a lot more satisfying with the constant growth and getting to know the product really well yes it's also like you know depends what you like but uh sometimes when you work as a consultant or a con contractor that might be the, the same title it also comes with different perks different like a review process and uh, all those other things that you know like they look very different where you get your feedback from and 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 how you position yourself for success certainly and it, correct me if i'm wrong but you had a short stint at facebook before landing at microsoft yes so that was like within the Deloitte part, that was like basically, that was my engagement that was pro probably like almost a year long, which basically felt like I was part of, of I, I work at Facebook in a, in a contractor capacity while being uh, employed at Deloitte. Oh, interesting. That's another, I've never worked in consulting, but I never realized they could contract you out kind of like a recruiter would in a contract way. Yeah, so that that like that is another flavor that might take, as I said, like sometimes the engagement might be a little bit longer, uh, which is also good in a way that you know, then you just work with the same people for for a longer period of time. You're not full time employees, so the difference is that at the end of the day you report to someone else like you report to your client but like at the end of the day that you know uh you might be rolled off like in a day and pretend that it never happened 
So that could be a good or bad thing, depending on the red or green flags you're experiencing. But now you're at Microsoft, and this is where you are now. Um, what? And it, I just am so like amazed by the wealth of your experience. I would love to know where you kind of see yourself going now. I think like, you know, being at Microsoft right now, uh, not only right now, but generally like, you know, this is a good good place for growth. Uh, if you want to work for tech, the investments in, in artificial intelligence and, and the growth within that field that is happening right now at Microsoft is amazing. I definitely don't see myself going anywhere <laughs> anytime soon uh, in terms of like growing. I think like, you know, so right now I work as individual contributor, which is great because I like kind of like crunching the numbers, but I also feel at some point stepping more towards managerial role will, will be a natural progression. Don't know if I'm ready yet for this step, but also understand like at some point building your own team and managing your team versus like doing the actual data science work might be also interesting. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's been my second year at Microsoft. So I, I still want to be here for, for like, <laughs> foresee the future. I think that's incredible. And the point you've reached now looking at managerial rules potentially uh, is a huge step. Um, and definitely another learning opportunity in managing people. Yeah, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So very exciting. So I was about to say we are coming up on time and I would love to know, do you have any lasting advice or tidbits that we didn't cover that you'd like to share today? Yeah, I would say just like, you know, um, career, there's like a lot of randomness in, 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 the, in, uh, in the job hunting process. And we should be aware of that. There are a lot of variables that we don't know about. So whatever happens to you, if you're not able to land your first job, uh, you get a lot of rejections, definitely work with a career coach and try to improve your resume, but like, don't put too much blame on yourself. There's like, there's so many things that can influence the decision. So I think it's important to keep it in mind and focus also on other aspects of life other than, than our job. Because at the end of the day, you know, our job is not everything. That's just like one of the facets of, of every day. Absolutely. There is always scuba diving in Aruba. So. <laughs> For example, very important. <laughs> <laughs> very, very important. Well, Michal, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. Are you open to listeners reaching out on LinkedIn? Yes, of course. Like if you if you have any any career advice or any other question, feel free to to reach me on LinkedIn. You can find me if you uh, type M I C H A L. That is how you spell my name, Michal, and my last name is Chapsky C Z A P S K I. Fantastic. Well, for everyone listening, you can certainly reach out to Michal via LinkedIn, or if you have any other questions for him or myself or additionally if you'd like to be featured as a guest please email me at alumnipodcast at springboard.com <laughs>